Hey everyone, welcome to the Money Moves Podcast, brought to you by Gen Z for Financial Literacy. I'm your host today, Matthew Shadid, and today we're going to be interviewing Rod Griffin. Rod Griffin is a leader in the industry, working with Experian to push their message of financial literacy and use other methods of consumer education to make sure their consumer base is educated on the products they provide and the general world of finances. He's one educator of the year and has had a hand in the industry for over two decades. I'm excited for you guys to hear the conversation with him today. Good morning. It's great to be here. Uh, by way of introduction, I'm Rod Griffin. I'm Senior Director of Consumer Education and Advocacy for Experian. What that means is I help people understand credit reports and credit scores and credit in general and kind of what my passion is uh, in, in, in life and fortunately in my career is to help people be more successful. Uh, and, you know, when, when I started with Experian, I looked a lot like you did. I, was, I didn't have any of this gray and I was much younger, <laughs> didn't wear glasses, and I didn't know anything about credit. And that was to, really other than I had some debts and, and had some student loans and was working to pay those off. Uh, and over the last, it hurts to say this, 26 years, uh, I've been able to store a little bit of stuff in my brain and, and been able to share it with people. Uh, you know, when you, you start talking about credit reports and credit in general, it's such a, a, a complex financial topic and people don't know a lot about it, especially when you're just starting out. But it, if it's used right, is an, a tremendously powerful financial tool. It can also be you know, like a hammer. If you hit the nail, it's great. If you hit your thumb, it hurts like a son of a gun. So you want to make sure you use the tool right and it will work for you. If you don't, it can hurt you and you don't want that to happen. So uh, you know, that's really what my job is to help people use the tool right and make sure it works for them. Absolutely. I love when I talk to people and they say their career is aligned with their passion and, and what they enjoy doing. Cause a lot of people say I'll spend, you know, my, my 40 hours a week on my career, but then let me find an hour a week to focus on my passion and what I enjoy doing, what I enjoy learning about and teaching about. But someone like you, who's been in the field, um, but then also has been able to align his career with his passion. How do you think you've been able to do that? And what aspects of the approach to your career have led you to do that successfully? Some of it's dumb luck, um, <laughs> to be quite <laughs> honest. Um, you know, in, in my former life before being uh, joining Experian, I was a reporter, editor, photographer, a community newspaper. So I've always had a passion with my background journalism. So it's always been about informing people and, and helping people know the things that they need to know. Uh, from there, I worked briefly in municipal government and communications and was actually looking at one ads for my stepdaughter, uh, trying in, in live in the Dallas area. And uh, she was looking for a job. And my wife and I were going through the newspaper, if anybody remembers what newspapers are, and saw this job that said, we need an education writer for Experian and you know career plan B was to be an educator be a teacher and I'd gone back to school and then found my way back into PR it's kind of a long story but um, wow. so it was you know we were looking at uh, the, the ads and I said I could do that and she said we'll send a resume and I and my response was well I have a government job and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can work eight to five no stress like it's like 
pay's not great, but the benefits are fantastic. She said, send a res resume anyway. So I did, and here I am. I mean, it, it was about helping educate people and writing uh, and talking to people. And you know, everybody in my family will tell you I, I talk too much, so that worked well. Uh, but you know, really it was about looking for roles that were you know hitting those those points that were related to the passions I had about communicating about writing about educating and this just happened you know to to kind of dumb luck looking at one ads at the right time and you know got got an interview and then another interview and a series of interviews and and got the job and um you know, my first role was writing something called Ask Max. Max was Maxine Sweet. And we wrote the first online credit advice column, we called it. And it turns out, you know, 15 years later, we found out it was the first blog in our industry. And uh, it was all about answering people's questions. And it, it kind of grew from there. Wow. I, I, did, I didn't know you guys were that early on on, on, on blogging. It was um, 1997 we started. Wow. What platform did you guys release that on? Um, I'm not even sure what the platform was. It was sort of you know, hand developed. You know, we, we I was doing HTML, wow, um, you know, coding and stuff to to get it posted. So, wow. How do you think ago. you delineated your passions to be able to say like, this is what I like, so I'm going to send my resume. Um. You know, I wasn't even sure that's what it was. It was like, I could do that. It's a communications role. Got it's it. an education role. Uh, it aligns with what I did as a, you know, as a reporter, an editor. Uh, they're looking for a writer. And, and, and so it was like, okay, these kind of tick the boxes of things I enjoy doing and that I've done. And so it, you know, it just worked out that way. So, you know, I think the key is that, when you're building a career to be open and you know, be willing to take a chance. And if you see something looks interesting, pursue it, uh, you know, find out because, you know, at that point, it's kind of one of the first times I realized, you know, I'm kind of in control. I can say yes or no, I, but I need to explore what my opportunity is. Um, you know, when I, when I joined Experian, I honestly thought maximum five years and, 26 years later, it's just the roles continue to evolve, new opportunities have, you know, kind of come up and, and it's mm -hmm. been different role, different kind of responsibilities and things over the years that, you know, keep it interesting uh, and it's always changing, it's always evolving and that, you know, it's always challenging and that's, you know, that makes it really interesting. So I yeah. think that's key to me too. You know, I don't want something where I'm just doing the same thing every day. It's never the same thing. What about it got you guys to personal finance? How did youth personal finance come into play? Because maybe you guys started um, focusing on on adults and, and their credit questions. Uh, people who've been in their careers for a while and, and built up credit. Um, what what about um, the youth personal finance aspect got you guys to want to explore? Um, so Experian did a study where they found lots of data points and, and they really found that youth personal finance was an exceptionally important spot um, for them to focus on, uh, which is so significant for, for a company to say that um, for us and, and for the whole personal finance community, I'd like to say. Yeah. 
And actually, it's been part of our DNA from the start. Uh, the one of the first things we did, uh, and you know, my predecessor did was uh, they, she was part of a, the founding organization, founding group of executives from different industries that uh, were part of founding the Jumpstart Coalition for Personal Financial Literacy, which is really? an organization that promotes personal finance in in our schools. Uh, and you know, we understood very early on that having young people better understand personal finance and credit from our perspective was kind of our, our sort of, you know, target and, and our core uh, skill set. But having young people understand fundamentals early led to much greater success as adults. The other thing we understood and, and found out long, a long time ago was that if you're working with kindergartners up to, you know, young, young adults, um, particularly if they're in school, they tend to go back to their parents too and share the information. So if you can educate, you know, children and young adults, you're also helping to educate their parents and, and the people they interact with in many cases. So, uh, you know, that, that was core to who we were. So it's never been, it hasn't really been new, but we've, it's hard to reach uh, you know, people uh, across the board. It's, it's, you know, something when you say you want to talk about personal finance, you want to talk about credit, then you know, people say, I don't want to, and they look at me, shake their head. It's like, I don't want to know about that. You know, I have other things I want to do as long as it's going well. And when it isn't, then it's like, then we're open. Um, you know, but today, when we think about, you know, Gen Z, I think you have more opportunity, more resources, uh, you know, when, and we, we did do a, a study and, you know, we found that it, like 73%, almost three quarters of, of Gen Z uh, um, survey respondents told us that they would feel better about their personal finances if they had more education, if they understood more. So they're looking for it. Um, I had no idea when I was in my 20s that I should even ask about personal finance topics. I had no idea what credit was. I, I knew what credit was, sort of. I knew it was it would give me money, and then I was supposed to pay it back, and I would get things if I, if I, you know, if they gave me the money. Um, not exactly the right understanding of what credit is, right? So, you know, I think that's a, a bright spot for me is that younger adults, especially, are saying, "Hey, we need to know more," and you have access to tools like this. We, we'd have podcasts. We had literally had three channels with an antenna if you could get it pointed in the right direction. So, you know, the fact that you're doing the work you're doing to help educate your peers is phenomenal. Uh, and it's a, a tremendous resource. Thank you. Um, I definitely understand why, especially being a part of... Um, the generation that we're talking about, I understand why people are are imminent in finding new resources, but also they, they want to. They realize its importance almost because social media, in a way, throws it in our face um, that usually people have trouble with their money. It, it's common. You need to find resources. But what I still find surprising is that your research and data uncovered that still many of them do turn to their parents who maybe don't have the strongest financial understanding or, or knowledge. Why do you think that? And what is Experian doing 
to, to really talk about that data? Well, you know, we tend to go to the people we know. And, you know, our families, of course, are the first source, not always the best source. Right. Uh, you know, I, my, my parents did pretty well. They both you know, were high school graduates. My dad served in the Marine Corps, learned a, a, you know, a trade, worked in the telephone industry and telephony. Um, didn't know a whole lot about money. He said that, you know, with the, I have two siblings, the three of us, he insisted that we were going to go to college. And I, we just assumed that was what we were supposed to do. And a few years ago, I asked him, why exactly was it you, you said I should go to college? And he said, because when I was in the Marine Corps, I had the same job as a commissioned officer. I was a corporal. They were a lieutenant. They got paid twice as much as I did. And the only reason is because they had a college degree. So that's why we went to college. It was about, he saw, understood that somehow that led to greater opportunity. Um, you know, that, so it's about how do, how do we grow? Uh, and, and, you know, when, when Gen Zers are telling us, who do you talk to? I talked to my parents. He didn't know a lot about personal finance, but he did all right. Now we have more opportunity. So, you know, it's, 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 it, it, I think the exposure is there. Like you said, it's, it's social media. Um, it's kind of hard to avoid. And some of the things that we've gone through over the last six, eight, 10 years have really made an impression on, on younger adults, uh, you know, around personal finance. They saw what their parents went through, through the recession uh, a few years ago. We've seen COVID. We've seen all of the things that have hit us that affect our finances. And, um, that makes you more aware. And I think that's, that's a big piece of it, but you go to your friends and family first, and then you try to find other trusted resources. Sometimes you find out the advice they give is good. Sometimes you find out probably not the best source. Um, you know, I, I kind of jokingly, but honestly say with my parents, my, they had differing opinions on credit. My mom thought credit was a gift from God. My dad thought it was evil and it's neither one of those things. So, you know, when I started working experience, I kind of figured that out. It's a tool. Uh, and you know, and that's what, is so exciting with, with uh, you know, Gen Z is you're already using credit. You're learning about it first. You know, and I've been amazed. Some of the other research we've done, you know, there are a significant number of very young adults, you know, early 20s, already buying a house or planning to buy homes or investing, you know, in ways that are really intelligent that I didn't figure out until I was quite a bit older, so... I've noticed the same trends, but why do you think people or specifically the, the children and younger generation are able to look at their parents and oftentimes say that they didn't do the right things personal finance wise? Where do you think they're getting that, that judgment? Yeah. So they, I think it's, you know, information is hugely powerful. Like you said, the conversations continuous uh, on social media right? And so you get that exposure all the time. And we didn't have that when we were younger. It was about, you talk to your parents about money. Um, the other thing that's changed is that, you know, in the past, there was a huge stigma about talking about money. You just didn't. And you didn't talk about debt. You didn't talk about income. You didn't talk about those things. Now that's the norm, you know, it's people are much more comfortable talking about money in general. What changed? And that's hugely important. What do you think changed? 
Um, you know, I think, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, I think some of it is, again, it's, it's the constant dialogue. Um, and the fact that we have learned to talk about it over time, mm -hmm. um, the fact that we make resources available constantly, um, uh, that social media, social media has its positives and it's, and it's, it's negatives. One of the positives is that it's, you know, much more um, conducive to, to opening up subjects that we didn't talk about before, especially money. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's a big one. I think there's also been a, a much more active drive by organizations like Experian, uh, by other, you know, groups, government agencies, regulators, even working together to raise awareness. So there's, there's a, actually a, a, you know, much more positive and proactive effort to raise awareness. So I think that's important too. Agreed. You mentioned that there are a lot of younger 20 year olds that, that they'll want to buy um, homes that they, they have active and aggressive strategies towards investing and, and building wealth. But something that comes to mind to me is the barriers um, that have almost been put in place, but also just naturally have happened um, through, because I think the generation prior to that has done so well, the average home buyer has gone from 29 to I believe 47 in the matter of 20 years. Um, that for me shows that something has changed in that Perhaps the generation before us did really well, and they've, they've been able to buy homes, buy homes in cash even. Um, even though the younger generation has that drive, what is the approach to dealing with that? Yeah, I think, you know, some of it is what's your focus. Uh, some of it is just cost-driven, so economics. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know when I bought my house, I was 30, and... My wife and I worked for Experian, and my wife and I worked extra jobs to save, and, and you know, that was our, pro, our 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 focus. So we spent a year, and every you know weekend and evenings we worked you know, a second job and extra shifts to yeah you know to to put more money in the bank. So if it's the focus, it's one thing. Um, there's a huge consumerism issue in some cases. Uh, you know, I see. I, I talked to this hurts. I have granddaughters. That doesn't hurt. They're wonderful. But it's just thinking about <laughs> it didn't seem that long ago, but they're driving. And, you know, the, the cars they want to drive, you know, we have this conversation all the time. It's like, okay, you can tell me what you want to do in life. And it's, well, you can drive a, you know, a, a luxury car and delay buying a house, or you can, you know, buy a, a used car and save. So you have to set your financial goals. I think that's, that's a, an issue that we see cross generations. It's how do we set our goals? What's our focus? Um, and then it's, you know, where are you looking? You know, what are you, what are you, you know, trying to buy? Um, you know, if you're trying to buy a house, just frankly, buying a house in Southern California is going to be really difficult. Uh, buying a house in Texas, not as difficult. Uh, buying a house in Kansas, much easier. Uh, so it kind of depends on, you know, where you are and what your goals are and what you want to achieve. Um, you know, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's never been easy. 
Uh, you know, think about my parents when they bought their first house, interest rates were at 12%. Mm -hmm. So the houses were less, but the interest rates were much higher and the incomes were lower. So um, it's, it's never been easy. Yeah, there's always been barriers, but I think now people are, are almost overemphasizing them and it's getting stuck in people's heads in a way. The over dialogue that, that we've spoken about can have negative effects as well. It has great effects. Maybe it talks about personal finance and, and the skills you can have to, to gain financial education, but can also embed fears um, a lot worse. Uh, economists talk about this all the time. They're like, we, we study the fears and, and current mindset of, of, or like general mindset of, of a country um, to understand inflation and other economic metrics. Um, but in a way, it's now almost been quicker to change people's mindset and, and affect the way they spend and uh, move their money. Yeah. And, you know, some of that's the information flow again, I think. You know, it's 24-7 and some of the interaction, especially with social media, um, you know, it's a, a big issue. And I talk to my kids about that, too. It's, you know, where do you get good sources of financial education? How do you get positive information? Um, you know, because we can drive fears and we can be paralyzed by fears. And I see that with credit. You know, we talk about credit scores uh, and, you know, how do I build my credit scores? There are tools now that weren't available. Um, I don't know if you can hear that. We're having a thunderstorm all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but little the, bit, but that's cool. Yeah, a little weird. It's like, where did that come from? It's supposed to be sunny today. But you know, there's, where do you get good information? How do you use the tools that are available? You know, things like Experian Boost that weren't available to help you move down yeah. that path, say, four years ago. Um, so you can have, you, you can get credit for paying your cell phone bills, paying your utility bills, paying, you, you, using streaming services and paying those bills, mm -hmm. paying rent. Uh, you know, so there are tools now that to help build credit scores that can help move you in the right direction, prepare you to, to you know, qualify for that home purchase. Um, but yep. looking for positive, objective information, I think that's another piece of it. Um, you know, when, when I see a lot of the education pieces, it's here's what I did in my life. And, you know, I share a lot of that too. But if you can find good objective sources that say, here is the way the system works, you know, no judgment, you know, no emotion, which sounds kind of dull, but it's, you know, that yeah. help present the facts, right? So, you know, Experian.com slash consumer education, I'll plug my team's site. Um, we have lots of education resources and tools that are available to help understand what credit reporting is, how it works, how scores work without a lot of the, frankly, misinformation that's out there about them. Um, because people make a lot of mistakes because we tend to be impulsive. And, and I think social media drives some of that. I think in the 24-hour news cycle. Um mm -hmm. You know, it, it's 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 a challenge um, to to stay positive sometimes, and to make sure you have the right information. Yeah. Even so, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of millennials and, and Gen Z still more so millennials that that are more pressing is that they're still really relying on their parents more so than their yeah. parents were relying on their parents. Um, so, what do you think that data point tells us, or what is Experian? How does that lead experience approach to consumer education? Yeah, I think it's, um, <laughs> there's the, the side of me that says my generation should say, leave. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like you have an adventure, uh, yeah. not always fun, not easy. Uh, but I think it's a cultural shift too. And I don't think it's Sometimes a bad it's one. Just, you know, I think random it's, thunderstorm. Yeah, it's like random thunderstorms and cultural shifts. But it's, it's um, you know, generation to generation, I think part of it is, uh, you know, the financial realities, uh, you know, there have been challenges. Mm-hmm. An interesting thing about millennials is they were slower to adopt credit use, things like credit cards. So they delayed some of that, mm-hmm. which pushes it back. Um, so there, so as I was watching, I think what I saw was, um, with millennials, the progression of financial engagement was delayed in part because of the recession of 2007 to 2012, 11, whatever, wherever that ended, somewhere right in there. Um, and so they were slower to begin to build credit, slower to begin to engage in the financial process. Yeah. Uh, and that resulted in, you know, in sort of that delay to some extent, you know, as we get older, there are things that drive our financial engagement. Gen Z, faster in adopting, you know, credit use, uh, doing it more quickly, and I think that that will, I think we'll see that shift a bit. Um, but you know, staying at home with your parents, trying to find jobs in a market that was you know, that initially was challenging, um, and and just culture, we're more comfortable with that now. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know that that's a bad thing. Yeah. For me, what I find most interesting is how, at least relative, like growing up experiences change so much of that. Like you talked about your experience with your parents, how that shapes um, a lot of that, uh, your financial mindset. And then even if you look at like a, just a general uh, layout, lots of Gen Z grew up with 0% interest rates and times where credit was, was more safe, like quite like just plainly credit was more safe. But millennials grew up in a time where maybe not so much. Um, a, a lot of them maybe were in that same basis yeah. prior to 2008. Uh, so a lot of that really comes down to how you grew up. Like for me, there's a lot of experiences yeah. in, in my childhood, uh, micro, just like one-on-one experiences with my parents that really shape my financial mindset and like that I'm infinitely grateful for because a lot of people don't get that. Like small things, like for example, my mom would give me a dollar for making a bed every every morning. Um, every month, I'd save enough um, to be able to buy some something that I, that I was really looking forward to. And just those little things in your childhood affect so much on how the rest of it the rest of it goes. It does, and, and the way your parents interact. I had the, I, we had the same parents because that was kind of the same thing. You know, you, we had chores and things we had to yeah. do to earn. And, you know, if we didn't, you know, perform the the jobs we were assigned, essentially, uh, you know, there was no reward. Um, And so, you know, we had kind of same things. And, you know, it was it was um, much less helicopter parenting kind of thing in in my life too. my parents. So my graduation parent uh, present was a uh, word processor and a set of luggage. So it was like, here's the hint. Actually, it was a, kind of an overstatement. I was welcome at home anytime for as long as I needed to be there, but it's like, just in case. So, um, <laughs> but, it, but that's true. Um, you know, so it, times affect, you know, the, 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 the realities of our, our lives. Right. Uh, and, but, you know, understanding the ability to use credit 
understanding what credit is, that it's a financial tool, that it's an obligation if you borrow money to repay it. Um, you know, we talk a lot about student loan debt. There is more student loan debt than ever before. Um, it's an, it, for most people, it's not uh, overcomable. If that's a word, I don't think it's a word, but that's I'm a made up a word today. Uh, so, you know, it, it, you know, when you look at mean student loan debt uh, and average student loan debts, they're not that high. They're actually about the same or less than a new car loan today, for most people. Um, you know, so it's a matter of again, it's that priority thing. How do we adjust it? For other people, it's a tremendous crisis uh, and in huge amounts of debt. So, you know, and far more people go to college today than did in the past. And so that affects our culture and, and our lives as we go forward. Um, you know, the, so there's, there's so many factors that affect what we do. And there's no one right answer uh, for every, everyone. And, and I think that's something, you know, that we have to, to look at. Every generation is a bit different, but it seems like we all end up kind of in the same place eventually in terms of needing to access financial tools, financial resources, using credit. Uh, and those tools available to us. Yeah, um, it's definitely a conversation to be had. We can definitely have a whole podcast on how your childhood really shapes that. What yeah. do you think there, there's like, is there a common denominator that comes to your mind? Despite all the other things that might happen, all the variables, is there a common denominator that leads everybody to that same relative spot? You know, it, it's phases of life. And they may start a bit later or a bit sooner, uh, but you know, watching millennials and having millennials and Gen Z kids, um, you know, as as millennials have gotten older because they're not young anymore. I don't know that might be a shock to some of them. Uh, <laughs> they're right. now pushing forty or a little more. Um, but you know, as you age, you you know, you you find a life partner or a husband or a wife. Uh, you begin to, you, you, you start a career, you buy a home or a condo or rent an apartment. And I think that's another conversation is, you know, the American dream's always been built around buying a house. Right. I don't know that that has to be the American dream anymore. You know, I, it, it, there's, there are other viable options. You know, renting an apartment or a condo isn't all bad. It gives you, you know, certainly reduces the cost of maintaining a house. I can tell you that's expensive, but yeah. As you go through life, you, you know, you you then are you know buying a home, having a family, and raising a family, uh, you know all of those things kind of push you toward you know, the need for credit. Uh, if you ever have children, they are expensive, incredibly expensive, worth every penny, but they're expensive. And you find out, you know, when you're buying, you know, sports uniforms or dance out, you know, costumes or um, band equipment or all of which we've, we've done through our life and, and with our kids and grandkids, um, your credit becomes a more, you know, prof profound tool to have in the toolbox. Um, and so, you know, I think as we go through life, life stages may occur later, but they still tend to, to follow that pattern. Um, and there, and then as you move toward retirement, Things get less expensive. You can pull it, and so it's just where does that, um, you know, where does that demarcation in age fall? Dependent on economic realities, dependent on you know the things that have happened. Is there with the recession pushed millennials back? Yeah, um, 
being some really strong financial um, uh, realities for Gen Z. And so you're kind of ahead of the curve in, in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, and then the evolution of education and, and resources and tools. And I think the more educated you are, the more empowered you are. And I think we're seeing that too. Yep. You talked a bit about, in terms of tools, um, the ability for credit credit companies um, and bureaus to be able to look at other payments you've made and give you some sort of score, some sort of rapport on what you've done. We talked to FICO actually a few weeks ago. Yep. Um, they have like the ultra FICO score now, um, FICO XD score that yep. takes in a lot more to into account um, when it comes to when it comes to credit. Uh, why do you think these resources are becoming popularized and, and almost necessary? Because we're getting smarter uh, and yep. we're looking at, for example, with Experian, we, with Experian Boost, we studied kinds of payments that aren't traditionally reported as part of a credit report. So your cell phone bill. Uh, you know, people thought and would talk to me and say, well, I'm paying my cell phone bill. It's a couple hundred dollars a month. Why isn't that? A, it's like a credit agreement. It's a certain amount every month, certain time. Why do I not get a benefit for that? Uh, you know, same thing with streaming services, same, same thing with uh, rent payments. It's like a kind of like a mortgage payment or a credit payment. You make a payment every month. It shows financial responsibility. We studied those kinds of payments for several years and found that they do in, in fact show if a person's paying them on time, a, a higher uh, or a lower credit risk, a better credit risk when they're incorporated into a credit history and into credit scores. Uh, and especially for people beginning to build credit for the first time. So our approach is a bit different. We don't own the scores. FICO does scores. We collect the credit report data, compile it into the credit history. And so we have made it possible for people to add those positive, and that's the key, you know, is that it's positive information to their own credit reports proactively. And so if it's in a credit report, it can affect a credit score if, if that credit score incorporates that information. So, you know, by using Experian Boost, which is really easy, just go to experian.com slash boost and then follow the instructions. You enroll in our free uh, app and monitoring service and you tell us, I want to add my cell phone bill, my, my you know, natural gas, water, electricity bill, my cell phone bill, uh, my Netflix bill, my rent. And we'll add those as accounts to your credit history so that when you get your credit report, you'll see them. Each of them would be its own separate account, positive information only, permission-based and free. Uh, so you know, we're helping to empower the consumer to say, look, I'm a better credit risk than my credit report might otherwise show uh, because those companies aren't reporting the positive information directly. Uh, and that's why we're doing it. It's about access to the financial system. If you don't have access to the financial system, you're going to have a much more difficult time being financially successful uh, and, and having a, a, a strong financial future. Yeah. And that's what that's all about is how do we help empower people? Because lenders want you to be a customer. You want to be a customer. We want to facilitate that. Uh, and we want to do it in a way that's safe for you and for the business. And you know that's that's kind of been our motivation is how do we help people overcome those barriers to access so that they can have a much brighter financial future. Can you do that without an already existing credit card? Yeah. 
Um, and that's like a boost. That's part of the, the power of Experian Boost. Okay. Um, so you you don't that. have to have a credit card. Yeah. You just have to have a credit history. We uh, have a, a now, about a year ago, started something called Experian Go. And if you have no credit history with us at all, you enroll in our app, download it on your mobile device. If you don't have a credit report, we'll ask you for some identifying information, a, a live selfie, uh, Tower of Technology. We can verify your identity, you know, a photo of a, a government-issued ID. And we will create a credit report for you so that you become part of that financial system. Uh, it will be blank except for your identifying information. Okay. If you then have those other bills, you can go through Experian Boost. You can add those to your report. What we have found is that a person who has no credit history and then is able to use Experian Go to create that report and then add boost accounts can begin with you know, no score at all because they have no credit history. And within 15 minutes or so, uh, could have a score as high as 630, 635 on a FICO 8 model. So it's a really powerful way to, to gain access to the financial system. Um, that's particularly important for people who you know, may be stuck in predatory lending, payday lending, title loans, those kinds of things. They have no financial access. And that credit report's really the key to unlocking it. So we have to get you in that system to help with that. Yeah, yeah that's almost the most active way to improve access to, I, I like how you put it, the financial system. It's giving people access to tools that businesses, huge corporations, successful um, entrepreneurs have had access to that have built their companies, their lives through credit. It truly is a tool. Um, I'm a huge credit like pusher. I've got, there's tons of people in this space that aren't, they, they hate it. They think it's, I, I, I saw Dave Ramsey, um, one of his like podcasts was titled, like no one has ever gotten rich using credit. And like, I, it just infuriated me. I, I think, yeah. I think it's a, but you mentioned it, it can be evil. It, it, you, like your mom said, it it's, can be evil, yeah, but it's, it's really a tool that you need to learn how to use. Yeah. It's yeah. Dave and I, I, I agree with a lot of what Dave says. He gives a lot Likewise. of great advice. We don't agree at all on credit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and it's, it's not credit. People confuse credit with debt and credits, the financial tool debt can become the financial problem. Um, I often tell people you can have credit, use credit, not carry any debt at all. For example, if you have a credit card, you make all of your purchases every month using that credit card, and then you pay the balance in full, you're not carrying any debt, not paying any interest. But if that card offers cash back or airline miles or discounts on purchases, it can save you money. It gives you a financial advantage, and that's how you want to use credit. Uh, you know, the reality for most of us is we'll never be able to pay cash for a house. But if you have credit established, credit can help you achieve that goal uh, and, and manage it well. Uh, you know, and that's that's the reality for most people. Uh, you know, unless you hit the lottery or you, you know, are, are really fortunate or you delay those things, kinds of big purchases for a very long time, um, you're going to have difficulty buying a house. And you're right. Businesses use credit to their advantage all the time. They mm -hmm. borrow money at a low rate to, to you know pay for capital expenses, buy equipment, whatever it might be. They invest their cash at a 
much higher return. So they use credit and investment as tools. You know, you make money with your money, you spend the bank's money for those other purchases because it's cheaper. Um, you know, sort of fundamental business concept. And you know, people should do the same thing. Uh, you know, credit's a financial tool. Debt's the thing that people don't, that we don't like and don't want people to carry, you know, sometimes you invest in debt, use it to your advantage, but that's the financial problem. And people confuse the two. Credit's not, credit's the tool, debt's the problem. And, and they're very closely related, obviously, but not the same. Credit's the tool, debt's the problem. I like that one. Um, is there, a, from the research you've done, from the work you've done, is there something positive you'd like to leave with our viewers that you guys have found from Gen Z, um, specifically, but you can also venture out to millennials. Is there anything that Experian has found through your research or, or data collection that, that really empowers Gen Z, you'd say? I think the first thing, especially in my role, is they tell us they're looking for knowledge. So they're proactively seeking the information they need to be successful, uh, to have a bright financial future, to understand what most of us didn't, uh, you know, it didn't occur to me to ask what credit was. I first loan I got the, was for a motorcycle. Um, so in the banker in the little town I lived in didn't like motorcycles. And I knew that, but I went in and he said, well, I have to check your credit. And he left me standing at the counter for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't know what is, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> he finally came back and said, well, your credit's good. I have to give you the loan and the bike ought to be big enough to kill you. And I went, well, you wrecked your MG the other day around the telephone pole, little bitty town. I'm the reporter. I know about these things. So bike's about the same size as that car. So we're about even. None of your business what I'm driving. So, but it's, you know, I had no idea. Gen Z, millennials, today we're engaging in that conversation. We're looking for, for trusted financial uh, resources and, and tools to learn about credit and other financial topics uh, and good sources so I think that's positive. Uh, you know, we, we see that proactive engagement um, and the willingness to talk about money. You know, I think that's a, a huge positive uh, because you that's how you learn more um, and, and become more successful. So, um, you know, inc being inquisitive yep. and open. It's part of the reason we're having this conversation right now. We can have yeah. conversations. Exactly. <laughs> You know, you have to talk about it and you have mm -hmm. to, to learn about it. So, great. Is there any other resources you'd like to share um, with our audience before we head out for today? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned Experian Boost several times. Experian.com slash boost. Yep. Uh, visit Experian.com. I'll be linked in the podcast description. Yep. And, uh, and you can join us on uh, X now uh, at uh, on <laughs> Wednesday, 2 o'clock Central, 3 Eastern. We have a credit chat every week about various personal finance topics. Uh, you can learn more at ex.pn slash credit chat. Uh, and I really have some really kind of interesting conversations. Is that on the Experian Twitter or? Yeah, it's um, uh, on our Experian Twitter account. Yeah, at Experian oh. underscore US. All right, cool. So Thanks for listening to this episode of Money Moves with Gen Z for Financial Literacy. We hope you learned something today. If you'd like to work with us, visit our website, genzforfinlit.org slash intern. Again, that's genzforfinlit.org slash intern. You can also follow us on Instagram at genzforfinlit. We also have a monthly newsletter where we go into depth on everything related to finance and business. 
you can sign up for it on our website as well. Until next time, it's been Nine Steven.